Lord, may the Lord may the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing and acceptable to you. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. My first experience with the risen Lord was in the waters of baptism. But I don't remember it. Not something I remember. You know, I was three months old. However, I do remember the second time. The second time I encountered the risen Lord. I was uh, in ninth grade, and I was on a youth missions trip. And we were out in a retreat center north of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I grew up, in the Allegheny Mountains. And we were singing worship songs, and we were uh, praising God, and I, I felt a hand on my shoulder. And I turned around, and I looked, and at that point in time, we had just gotten a new youth pastor at the church that I was in, and he was a redheaded Texan from Amarillo. And, uh, and, he, uh, and I turned around and said, hey, Thomas. Uh, you messing with me? And he said, no. And I didn't trust him. So I figured he was just messing with me. So I turn around again, and I'm singing some more, and I feel another hand on my shoulder. And I turn around, and I look real quick. And Thomas is about five or six feet behind me now. I'm like, Thomas, seriously. And he's like, I am not messing with you. And he's getting a little defensive, which makes me know that he's lying. So I'm like, yeah, he definitely is. Okay. So we keep singing, right? And I feel a hand on my shoulder. And I turn around, and this time it's like, he's like 30 feet behind me. There's no one near me. And I remembered that passage uh, from 1 Samuel, when Samuel's called to be a prophet of the Lord. And he says... He goes to Eli back and forth, right? And he's like, Eli, Eli, like, why are you calling me? And he's like, Eli's like, go back to bed, boy, right? And eventually Eli figures out what's going on, and he says, whoa, whoa. The next time you hear that voice, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So I remembered that passage in my mind, and I felt a hand on my shoulder. And I said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And like a rush came over me. But it wasn't this beautiful thing. Actually what happened at first was I was reminded of every sin I have committed in thought, word, deed, things done and left undone. And that's, here's the thing, when you're 14, don't think it's a lot. It is. It's actually a lot. It's actually quite a lot. Especially, you know, when you've become the teenage angst towards your parents. The words you've said to your mom, oh, they came back, you know? And all of the stuff, right, all of these thoughts that I've had, all of these, these things that I've done and not done, whew, pour into my head. And this guilt, this guilt pours over me. And then, like in an instant, it disappears. And I'm left with just like a white, blank screen in my head. And this, this letter gets gets like, like a typewriter happens in my mind's eye. It goes F-O-R-G-I-V-E-N. And like it's stamped forgiven on my head. In my mind's eye. And a wash of relief came over me. 
and I realized that I was in the presence of the risen Lord, that Jesus was alive, and I was alive because of him. I can't, that, that moment can't be taken away from me. I know that. And I, I was thinking about that today because we're confronted today with Peter, James, and John in the gospel back at the seashore. Back where it all began. Three years before this gospel, right, this gospel account was written, three years beforehand, Peter, James, and John were in the same Sea of Tiberias. And a very similar story had occurred, remember? They were there. They had gone on a long night's fishing campaign. Peter, the worst fisherman ever in the Bible, does not catch another fish, right? Can't catch a fish. He reminds me so much of myself. Um, and so he, he comes back. His labor is worth nothing. Comes back to the shore. And remember three years ago, there's this Jesus character on the, the side of the shore. And he yells out into the lake, hey, toss that net on the other side. Peter's like, whatever, man. And he does it. And remember, the boat almost sinks. And he's like, hey, James and John, come on over. We've got we to get all this fish to the shore. And they did. The, nerd, the net is bursting with fish. James and John bring it in. They get to the shore. What does Jesus say? Follow me. He didn't sell the fish, by the way. He just brings the fish to shore. He doesn't sell them. His mortgage doesn't get paid that way, right? Like, he just brings in the biggest, like, score of fish. You know what I mean? If this was deadliest catch, he, like, he hit the big, like, the gigantic king crab legs. I mean, he is, like, locked in, and he leaves them on the beach. He leaves his livelihood on the beach, and he follows Jesus. All three of them, gone. Taken off. Following Jesus. Have you ever had that, uh, have you ever had it happen to you where, like, you're in your house, and you walk into another room, and you're, you forget why you went to that room, you know, and you have to, like, turn around and, like, walk back to, like, the place you thought of that thing from, and you're like, hmm, what was I thinking? And somehow, like, you make your way back into the kitchen, you're like, oh, yeah, I wanted to, like, you know, Google search that. And then you can, like, go back to the room and remember what you did. Well, there's something about that. That's what's happening with Peter, James, and John in the story. It's like they've heard that Jesus is alive. I'm sure the story has been told. Like, they're aware. This isn't the first person he showed up to. This is the third time, right? But, but yet, it's like it doesn't register until they're out on the sea again. Again, a long night fishing. Again, no catch. Again, a man on the shore. Again, a man on the shore says, hey, other side, buddies. Again, too many fish. Well, this time they count them, 153. That's, pretty, that's a pretty accurate count. So they get a count at least this time, right? And then, and then here's, what, here's what happens the second time. Peter doesn't even wait. The moment that net goes in and fish are caught, what does it say in the scripture? Jesus, uh, that Peter jumps out of the boat and is like, boom. Jesus, I'm, I know exactly what's going on. I remember this. I remember this scene so well. You said, follow me. And I did. And I will follow you to the grave. 
often in life we end up going back to the beginning. There's an old Latin term from the Reformation that says the churches continually add fontes to the source, back to the font, um, that, that we are returning to the source continually. Peter in the gospel today heads back to the lake, back to where it all started, back to the font, to the source. And after another show, he's greeted with Jesus. But this time, Jesus isn't just a teacher on the seashore. He is the risen Lord. He is alive and will never again taste death. So many themes in this passage. The baptismal waters of the lake, is that what's going on? When Peter jumps in, we could talk about that. That could be a sermon in and of itself. That he got rebaptized. Oh, don't say that in the Episcopal Church. He was baptized, right? First time. And then, right, we could talk about that. Um, we could talk about the fact that we'll all give up on Jesus. We'll all think that he's left us. It's happened for everyone in this room at some point in their lives. We've just given up. We've gone, I guess it's not working out. We go back to our old life, our old pre-Jesus days. Our continual desire to earn our own keep, right? Peter's just like, look, I got to make some money. Time to pay the mortgage again. Got my mother-in-law, got some kids. I got to make some, got to pay the bills. So I guess I'll just go back to the only thing I know how to do. I'll go back to fishing. How quick we are to give up. How quick we are to give up. These people walked with Jesus for three years. They walked with him. I mean, they didn't hear about those miracles in the Bible. They're the ones that wrote the Bible because they saw the miracles, right? And what did they do? The same thing that we do. They just were like, it's done. It's over. It was good while it lasted, huh? The grief and the shame. But God, see, God shows up in the, like, the unlikeliest of situations. In the midst of our running, in the middle of our shame and guilt, in the action of our self-justification, oh, we can, get it, we can do it ourselves, oh, we'll pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Jesus shows up right in the right place, right where it all began. Right in the place where we were comfortable that first time, when he shows up and he changes everything and makes it anew. Jesus, the risen Lord, Jesus, the Son of God, crucified who rose again bodily, comes back for you and for me, comes back for us in a new life, a whole new life, a life that we had given up on, a life that we never thought could happen, a life that we just thought, oh, well, it was good while it lasted, a new life that's not earned or, or rewarded for those who have believed but precisely to those who have walked away. A new life for those who went back to their old way of being. You know those pre-Jesus days. He comes to you, to me, to Peter, James, and John, and he fills our nets to near breaking. He keeps us protected. And he reminds us that all of those places where we have false senses of security, where we have believed in something without merit. He reminds us by standing on the seashore once again and calling out to each and every one of us, come, follow me. Because Jesus is alive. 
Alleluia. 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 In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.